You are listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Well, growing up, my mom uh, would come to all of my sports practices, or maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, I played a lot of sports growing up, and she would just go sit in the stands and just liked watching me practice, which is very sweet of my mom. Uh, But I ran track and field in high school, and my mom would drive and park in her car, and she would watch us run sometimes, which, as a mom, I guess is awesome. Track's not that exciting. Track practice is even less exciting, but she loved it. Uh, And I ran the 400-meter dash, which is kind of like the worst one. It's like the one no one wants to do. It's, it's not long enough to be like a jog. You can't pace it, uh, but it's not short enough to sprint without it hurting really bad. It's just no matter how you run it, it's going to hurt. And that was my lot in high school was to run the 400. And my goal since freshman year was I wanted to run the 400 in under 50 seconds. There was one guy in our school who had done it before, and I made it my goal to run under 50 seconds by the time I graduated. And I remember one day after practice, my mom asked me, uh, she had gone and watched us run and she said, Landon, uh, how do y'all do it? And I was like, how do we do what? She said, how do y'all just keep running when it just looks like it hurts so bad? She was like, I just watch y'all, like you run and you run and you run and you'll finish a rep and you'll fall over in pain and then you'll get back up and run again. Or one of y'all will run off the track and go throw up and then get back up and run again. And she's just like, how do y'all do it? Why do you do it? And uh, I remember thinking uh, that my trick was that my goal was to run a 49 second 400. And whenever I would be in practice and I would be running and it would start to hurt and I would lose my breath, and my legs wanted to stop and slow down, I would just repeat in my mind, 49, 49, 49, and I would just make myself run through the pain and run faster. And if I doubled over in pain after a rep, and then the coach said, get back up on the line, we're doing another, and I was like, I don't know if I can, I would just go 49, 49, 49, and it would make me get back up to that line and run another, that I just remembered my goal when pain hit, 49 seconds. And I say that because I think life can be a lot like running circles around a track. Uh, Sometimes it's easy. It feels good. It's a beautiful day. It's fun. Oftentimes it's hard, monotonous, and painful. Sometimes the wind's at your back and you feel so fast. Other times the wind is in your face and you just don't know. I mean, you're giving it everything to just keep going, to just wake up the next day and do it. Life, the reality of it is it can hurt. Uh, It can hurt bad. And I want to talk to you today about how do you keep going when it hurts? When you lose your job, you go through a breakup, when you move to a new city and struggle to make friends, Uh, when someone in your family is diagnosed with a sickness, how do you keep going? How do you get back up to the line when it hurts? How do you keep running through life? And I think Paul gives us the answer in 2 Timothy 2.8 when he says, remember Jesus Christ. It sounds very simple. Paul's at the end of his life and he's nearing his execution. And 2 Timothy, we believe, is the last words of Paul that we have written. Uh, It's his last letter. And Timothy's this young man and he's watching his mentor endure uh, extreme difficulties. And Timothy, as a young leader, is facing his own difficulties. And Paul is encouraging him at the end of his life. He's looking back 
at a younger him and saying, don't quit, don't give up. And the secret to finding strength in the midst of difficulty is to remember Jesus Christ. When difficulties come in our lives, we often respond uh, in one of two ways. We either dismiss God or we remember God. But if we dismiss God because of pain or disappointment, we're still left with our pain and disappointment, right? Uh, The elimination of God does nothing to solve the problem of pain. Some people want to eliminate him because of the existence of suffering. And what they're still left with is suffering. It does not answer the question. But if we remember him, then maybe we can find purpose in the pain and we can find strength to keep going. Uh, There truly is power in remembering Jesus. It doesn't eliminate the suffering and the difficulties of life, but it can give you purpose and strength to go through them. So I wanna talk about what it looks like, what it means to remember Jesus and the power that there is in remembering Jesus Christ. I just want to prop Jesus up before you today, tell you who he is, tell you what he's accomplished for you and, and can try to urge you to believe and buy into him. That's all I wanna do is for you to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. The definition of remember is very simple. So you recall something to your mind. Uh, memory is often aided by the senses, sight, sound, smell. And if you smell something, it can bring you back to a memory in your life. You hear a certain song and uh, it can take you back to a certain season of your life. For me, it's 808s and Heartbreaks by Kanye West plus Fearless by uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> takes me back to freshman year, the winter of freshman year, uh, before we knew the collision course that those two were headed towards, right? I was just, oh man, how could you be so Dr. Evil? You're bringing out a side of me that I don't know. Y'all don't know, Heartless? Come on. (laughs) Said, Romeo, take me somewhere you can, yeah, there you go. You know that one. That was my freshman year. It takes me back when I hear those albums. I think I, I get back into that moment. Uh, I remember it. And then we also aid our memory with sight. We put sticky notes of to-dos everywhere to remind us. We have calendars, so we'll see them. They'll tell us what to do. Or sometimes you see a person and it reminds you that you forgot to text them back and it's awkward, right? Uh, Remembering Jesus Christ starts by setting your eyes on him. It starts by seeing the beauty of Jesus Christ. God is is drawing us to him with his beauty. He's more like a lover that's urging us and calling and wooing us to him with his beauty than he is a cattle driver trying to drive us to him by duty. Romans 2 says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Uh, I was in college and I went on a canoe trip uh, to Canada and we were canoeing these lakes in the mountains of Canada. And it was like so beautiful. It was awesome. And I remember on our last day, we were going through the last lake and it was more like this valley that had like very little water in it. So it was like very shallow water and a bunch of like grass in this big field surrounded by mountains. And in the middle of the valley, almost as if it was fake, there was this big tree that had fallen over and there was an eagle just nesting on the tree. And we got just And we were probably like 500 yards away, but we were so scared to talk. And we slowly just started canoeing through the grass as close as we could get to this eagle, but far enough away because it's wild. We don't know what eagles do. 
but never before in my life. Like I'd been told eagles were majestic and beautiful and you know, like we, it's, it's like a big bird that people love, but you don't really know why until you see one in the wild and you're stunned and you're stopped by the beauty and the power and the majesty of the eagle. And then we got close and we were sitting there watching it. And I kid you not, this eagle lifted up his wings and soared over us into the mountains. And we just, it was unbelievable. The beauty and the majesty of the eagle. And you're in luck because I have a photo that we snagged. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad picture, right? doesn't communicate the beauty, everything I was saying about how beautiful and majestic. And then you see that photo and you're like, that could be a doll. Like you're like, I don't even, it's blurry. Uh, Shot on an iPhone X, right? You're like, this is not good. Um, And I think we've all experienced this. Like maybe you've seen the sunset and you thought this is awesome. And you took a picture and then later you showed your friend and you're like, it's it's not even, you should have been there. You know, it's like, I stopped taking photos of the sky because I can't get it. Uh, So we all have this experience of, of hearing a story about God, about his beauty and his power and his majesty. Or we sing these beautiful, amazing songs about the love of God. But then whenever we get out there to experience them for ourselves, it's just blurry. And you're like, God is beautiful? It, what? It's just a blurred view of God. We're just constantly drifting towards a blurry view of him. And my hope is that I can bring some clarity to the beauty of Jesus in hopes that we can see it uh, and see the beauty and majesty of the Lord. Uh, distraction, just blurring our view of God. That I can get up here and tell you stories about him. The second we leave, we start moving 100 miles an hour and everything gets blurry and you just forget how beautiful he is. 46 notifications a day is the average number of notifications a person gets on their phone. It's two to three every hour. Uh, You can't go 30 minutes without getting distracted by a screen. Things move so fast and the beauty of God becomes blurred. It's like we're driving on a highway going 70 miles an hour. 80 if you're from Texas, that's how fast we get to go. Uh, And there's a beautiful sunset out the window and you're trying to see it while you drive but you just can't really see it. It's like dangerous, you know? It's, it's like you're going so fast and it's moving behind you. What you have to do is you have to park your car, stop, get out, and give 30 minutes of your day to sit and watch the beauty of the sunset. You can experience it. Uh, we are driving so fast and we need to stop and get out and look at the beauty of Jesus. And I'm hoping we can do that right now. The problem in our lives, the challenge is that most of the time when we stop to look at something, we end up looking at a screen not the beauty of God, right? And it seems as though we've exchanged the beauty of God for lesser images. And we're meant to be drawn to him by his beauty. Instead, he's just a blur. Psalm 50 verse two says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. And first time I came across this verse, I was just so confused by it. Like I had never thought of God as the perfection of beauty. Like you could ask me how I would define God and it probably would have not been, he's the most perfect version of beauty there is. And then you ask the question, how can someone be perfect in beauty? What does that even mean? And I think beauty can be uh, summed up in, in two ways. There's two types of beauty. 
There's the beauty of strength and power, majesty, beauty that's big and loud. And then there's the beauty of innocence, purity, beauty that's soft and gentle. There's the beauty that roars and there's the beauty that whispers. And the perfect beauty, the perfection of beauty is able to possess both, both power and purity, strength and humility. You go, where in the world can you find that? The only place you can find the perfection of beauty is in Jesus Christ, who is the lion that roars and the innocent lamb that lays his life down. That in him, we have the lion in the lamb. And this is what Paul's telling Timothy. He's saying, remember Jesus Christ. And then he gives them two descriptors of Jesus. And what does he say? He says, the one risen from the dead, the lion or the lamb that gave his life and rose again in the offspring of David, the lion, the king in the line of David. Remember this Jesus. He's the lamb that was slain and rose. And he's the true king, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the offspring of David. Psalm 50 says, out of Zion, God God shines forth. Zion in the Bible can have two meanings. It can be the real Jerusalem, and it can also be the city of God, the heavenly city of God, the future city of Zion, the new heaven, the new earth that God will bring forth. And he says, it's out of Zion that God shines forth in perfect beauty. First, Jesus comes to the earthly Jerusalem to be the lamb that was slain. And next, he will shine forth out of the heavenly Zion to be the lion that rules. Perfect beauty in Jesus Christ shining forth out of Zion. First is the lamb, next is the lion. We need to see the beauty of the lamb that was slain. Remember Jesus Christ, the one who's risen from the dead. Uh, John the Baptist, the first time he saw Jesus, he said, behold, see the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See the beauty of the lamb, the innocent, blameless, pure beauty of the lamb that is gentle and humble and lowly and sacrifices his life for you. That is beautiful. And there's no other beauty like it. When Jesus came to earth, he stripped himself of certain godly privileges. He took on flesh, became fully man. Jesus is a real historical figure. He walked, he talked, he cried, he sweated, he got tired, he drank, he ate, he probably sneezed. Peter said, bless you. And that's pretty cool to bless God, right? (laughs) He was tempted like we are. He felt pain like we do, but he knew no sin spotless, pure, blameless. He went to the cross, bloodied, bruised, and beaten. The Lamb of God, his blood shed for us. This is what Paul's getting at, the power of remembering Jesus. Set this Jesus before your eyes. See this Jesus. Look at the beauty of the Lamb, the innocent Lamb of God shining forth out of Zion, the one who gave his life for you. Took death so you could have a life. It's easy for me to think of Jesus in just terms of like the spiritual idea And I forget that he was real. He's just a theology or a worldview. I forget that he was physical. He bled and suffered and died for me, the pure and spotless lamb of God, the one who walked, the one who talked, and the one who bled for me, for you. He's perfect in innocent beauty. And when we remember Jesus, we must remember the beautiful lamb of God. Set him before your eyes, risen from the dead, and the offspring of David. We must see the beauty of the lion that reigns. Revelation 5 says this about Jesus. 
It says that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who has conquered. First, Jesus came to the earthly Zion to be the slain lamb, but next he will come to the heavenly Zion to be the lion that reigns. He is the true king. He is conquering. He's victorious. And Paul wants us to not only remember that Jesus rose, uh, died and rose, but that he reigns and rules. He will one day return to bring his heavenly rule to earth where he will make all things new. And on the day when the lion roars, every mouth will be shut, every knee will bow and nothing will stand in his way. There will be no power of hell. There will be no scheme of heaven or scheme of the devil that will stand a chance in that day. And those of us who saw the beauty of the lamb and worshiped him will be safe under the roar of the lion on the day he comes. He is perfect in powerful beauty. If we wanna see the true beauty of Jesus, we must remember who he is, not who we want him to be or who we feel he is, but who he is. He is the historical risen Jesus who first comes to Zion to take away our sin and who will next come to Zion to judge sin, the lion and the lamb. He's the perfection of beauty shining forth out of Zion. The first step is to set Jesus before your eyes, set his beauty before your eyes. He's risen from the dead. He's the offspring of David. What could be more beautiful than the lion and the lamb in one? Innocence and strength. And the next step of remembering is to meditate upon the benefits that Jesus has acquired for you. Meditate upon the benefits that Jesus has acquired for you. C.S. Lewis says this in his essay, The Weight of Glory. He says, we do not want merely to see beauty. We want something else which can hardly be put into words. We want to be united with the beauty we see. We want to pass into it. We want to receive it in ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of beauty. Seeing is merely the first step, but it has to go deeper. That to remember Jesus Christ, he must enter into our minds. It must become personal to us. We must bathe in it, experience him personally, not only see Jesus's beauty, but meditate upon his benefits. Remembering, uh, we all know this, is aided by repetition. We build our memories by repeating information to ourselves over and over and over again. And then one day we can recall it quicker. Uh, this is memory of the mind, that our memory of Jesus becomes strengthened by meditating, by repeating the benefits that he's acquired for us. Postmodern world wants to convince you that Jesus has nothing to offer, that salvation can be found in proper education, uh, the right government system, and the advancement of technology. There is no need for God. He is of no benefit to you. And then on the other hand, prosperity gospel wants to minimize the benefits of Jesus to things of this world, such as health and wealth and worldly success. And these three aren't bad things, neither government or technology or education, uh, but, but you can find those things apart from Jesus. He never had to come to get healthy, to be wealthy. He never had to die and rise again. You don't need to know Jesus to have it. So the question we're left with is, is there a benefit to Jesus, to knowing him, uh, to, to meditating on him? What does he have to offer? And I would say there is a benefit because Jesus has far more power than any worldly system, than any education and his benefits are of far greater value than just worldly success. The true benefits of Jesus acquired for you in his death and resurrection, uh, I would say are three. That in him, you have the forgiveness of your sins, 
In him, you have the right to be called a child of God, and in him, you have the hope of the resurrection. These three benefits found in Christ alone uh, answer the problems of being human, Uh, the problems of shame, the problem of loneliness, and the problem of hopelessness. Shame speaks to your identity. It tries to tell you who you are, and oftentimes it degrades you by using your past against you. But Jesus speaks back to our shame with the forgiveness of our sins. The first benefit acquired for you by Jesus is the forgiveness of your sins. 1 John 1, 7 says, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Ephesians 1, 7 says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. John Bunyan wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress in 1678. Ben has talked about it uh, up here before. But in it, he says this about shame. He says, shame tells me what men are, but it tells me nothing of what God or the word of God is. And at the day of judgment, we will not be brought into death or into life according to the heckling voices of the world, but according to the wisdom and the law of the highest. Therefore, thought I, what God says is best. What God says about you is that your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Education can teach you the definition of forgiveness. It can teach you to spell forgiveness. But even the most advanced education does not have the power to forgive you, to heal you of your shame. And there's no other religion that has a God who gives his life for you. There's a unique power and there's unique benefits to remembering Jesus Christ. So we must meditate upon the forgiveness of our sins that have been purchased for us by the blood of Jesus. Talk back to your shame with the truth of the word. Meditation's about repetition. When I was a sophomore in college, I was really struggling to get over shame and guilt in my past. And then I was introduced to the verse, Romans 8, 1, that says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It was really hard for me to believe that. So I wrote it on my mirror so I would see it be reminded of it. And then I repeated it to myself throughout the day. And I wrote it on my notes as I sat in class to to make it ingrained into my mind. I beat this truth into my mind until the voice of shame was silenced. And you can do the same thing. This is the benefit of scripture memory. It's not just a Sunday school elementary activity. We should be doing it as adults. We should be encouraging one another to memorize scripture so that when the voices of shame come, we can beat into our brains the beauty of the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus Christ. The second benefit acquired by Jesus for you is that through him, we have become children of God. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, shining out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, right? Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit into, or God has sent the spirit of a son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir through God. Jesus forgave you so that you might belong to his family, that you might be adopted as a true son and daughter of God, so that God might go from being a creator to being a father. And even the best government can't do this for us. Government can assist in adoptions, but nobody wants to be adopted by the government. Uh, Being chosen by the government is usually a bad thing. Just watch Hunger Games. You don't want your name pulled out of the hat. Not good. Uh, Governments, they they can be sterile and cold and they're guided by laws, but family is warm and safe and guided by love. We uh, want to be in loving families. We celebrate stories of adoption. We watch movies in tears about uh, orphans who are transformed by 
being adopted into a family. Adoption has the power to transform you. And apart from Jesus, we are all spiritual orphans, grabbing onto anything we can for love, just let down time and time again. But in Jesus, we're forgiven of our sins and adopted as sons and daughters of God, where the love of the Father is being poured into our hearts. We have access to him. Loneliness reveals our need for belonging, and it's a need that can only be satisfied by the love of our heavenly Father. Remembering Jesus silences that voice of loneliness that leads us to then search for value in other people. So we gotta remember over and over and over again that we are children of God. This is why worship songs are so important. Uh, I think of the song, No Longer Slaves. I won't sing it. Uh, That would be bad. I already tried Heartless and y'all bailed on me. Uh, It says this, it says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. We've been liberated from our bondage. We're the sons and the daughters. So let us sing of our freedom. Songs are a lot stickier in our minds than sermons. So we should use them to help us meditate upon the benefits of Jesus Christ. My sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. And lastly, my future is secure. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says that our citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. In Jesus, we know our future is heaven so we can find purpose in our present. Technology, no matter how much it advances, it cannot eliminate death. It never has and it never will. Instead, a lot of times what it'll do is it'll just offer alternative realities to real life. Uh, just, Just look at the proliferation of pornography through technology. It's just a distraction from true meaning and true purpose to enter into an alternate life. Uh, Jay Stringer is a therapist and a pastor, and he wrote a book called Unwanted that's really good. And he conducted a study on 3,800 men and women uh, who, who, who experienced sexual brokenness. And in his study, he found that men were seven times more likely to escalate their pornography use if they lacked purpose in their lives. He wrote, these men felt as if they, the work they did were meaningless. They struggled to find a sense of purpose. They looked back over their lives and saw so many failures, and they often felt unmotivated. We all search for a sense of meaning. There must be a purpose for your life. There must be an end for which you were created. Even, and it has to transcend death. And I'm not saying that all technology is bad, but technology does lack the power to give you meaning. Technology is a tool to be used But if you start leaning into it uh, to find meaning or purpose or escape from it, you'll start being used by it. Jesus shows you the end for which you were created and he secures that future for you. That your purpose is to know God, to dwell with him, that for me to live is Christ. No matter how my job is going, no matter my relationship status, no matter anything else in your life, you will never lose this purpose. You will always have it. You'll always have meaning to live for Jesus and to dwell with God forever. This is a purpose that not even death can eliminate, that in Christ, your future is secure so you can have hope and purpose in the present. Remembering Jesus is about meditating on the benefits of Jesus. Preach them into your mind. Don't let the voices of shame, loneliness, or hopelessness be the loudest voices in your life. Make these benefits personal. That is my sins that are forgiven. 
that I am a child of God, that my future is secure. You have to make it personal. And this is where my job stops. And it's your turn. I can preach the mess out of the rest of this sermon. And you can go to lunch or brunch and uh, go, man, I really like that story about running. That quote was interesting. It wasn't Ben, but you know, he talked about Jesus. It can be like a good, you know, it's a good time. Or this can be a transformative moment in your life if you're willing to do the work. If you're willing to confess your sin and address the shame with the love of God and the forgiveness of your sins, to confess them to him. If you're willing to quit trying to find meaning in your career, quit bowing down to that idol and turn to the living and true God for meaning and purpose and security in your life. If you're willing to deal with the brokenness in your family that has caused a lot of pain and hurt in your life and to enter into the loving family of your heavenly father, my job stops here. This can be transformative. It can be powerful, but you have to be willing to do the work. This meditation, uh, it's not the sort of meditation that takes you out of your present reality and kind of removes your mind and your soul from your body. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, That's not really helpful. Uh, This is the kind of meditation that doesn't deny the reality of difficulty, pain, or confusion. Uh, Remembering Jesus actually accepts where you are, accepts the broken past, uh, it accepts broken families, it accepts uh, other things you're grasping for, for meaning and purpose. It's real and it hurts, and those things are real. But it speaks over those realities with greater reality that that's not the only thing that's true about your life. What's more true is that your sins are forgiven. You're a child of God and your future is secure. How do you keep running when life gets hard? Remember Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, the roaring lion, and meditate upon these benefits. My sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. My future is secure. And then lastly, the last part of remembering is about believing in him in your heart. A memory is made complete when it has made its way to the very core of who we are. We've not just seen him with our eyes. We've not just remembered him in our mind, but we have believed him in our hearts. Second Timothy 2, 8 says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. Once your eyes are open to the beauty of Jesus and your mind is filled with all the benefits he's purchased for you, the last thing you have to do is believe in your heart, the gospel. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I think as Christians, we tend to kind of downplay belief, make it seem small. Uh, Like, all you got to do is believe. You're like, hear this magnificent story of Jesus and all that he can do for you. You're like, how do I do that? Just believe. It's like, just believe. All you have to do is believe. We make it seem kind of small. Uh, believe in Jesus, you'll go to heaven, you can get on with life. Check the box of belief, now you can start studying like the deep theology. Uh, but when we look at the gospels, nothing could, could be more clear that every encounter with Jesus comes down to this, belief or disbelief. There's only two responses. When I encounter the beauty of Jesus, I'll either believe him or I won't. It's that simple, but it's also that difficult but it is not a small thing. Jesus is inviting you to believe in him. 
not just once in your life, but every single day to open up the door of your life and welcome him in all that he is, all that he says, and all that he does to reorient everything around his beauty, to buy into him, completely buy into his promises, believe that he is the lamb that was slain, believe that he is the lion that reigns, that he is risen from the dead. He's the offspring of David and believe that he forgives your sins and he has the power to make you a child of God and he has the power to secure your future. This is what you have in Jesus that nothing else can offer you. No other religion, no other worldly uh, philosophy, none of them, none of them have the power to do this. He's the only one that went to the cross. He's the only one that rose from the dead. And we have an opportunity to believe in him and to continue to believe every single day, every time you step up to the track to run believing in Jesus Christ, not just once when you were younger, but to continue to believe, continue to remember him, to have a faith that perseveres to the end, no matter what comes, to look to the finish line and to endure the difficulties, to remember Jesus Christ now and every day. Uh, My senior year of track, I had my last race ever, and it was 400, and it was the last track meet of my entire life. And I had yet to run a 49. Uh, two weeks earlier, I had run a 50.01. And you were like, you can't end on that. You know, how sad would that have been? Like how sad of the moment would this be uh, if that was the end of the story? Uh, but I remember I stepped into those blocks and got ready to run. And there was one thing on my mind. 49, 49, 49, 49. And that gun went off and I sprinted, screaming in my mind, 49, 49, 49, it's now or never. And I got around that last turn and there was a hundred meters left and everything was blurring out of you except for that finish line. I had my eyes set on it and it's all that mattered. My body was giving way, my lungs were hurting, my legs wanted to quit and I just kept saying 49, 49, 49, staring down that line. And I crossed that finish line, I looked up on that screen and I saw my name pop on the scoreboard and I saw 49, 8, 6 and I, the reward was worth it. <laughs> I knew y'all were gonna clap, I was like, ah. Uh, but that is how we want to finish this life. You want that to be the race you run, staring at the finish line, the beauty of Jesus Christ. Everything else is a blur, not him. Everything hurts, your body's giving way, but you're remembering Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain, the lion that reigns. My sins are forgiven. My future's secure, I'm a child of God, Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and I urge you today to remember Jesus Christ. Let's pray. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, Thanks for listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast.